Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday, Monday, April 25th, and it normally would be Mondays with McCool, but uh, apparently James James is out this week. He's, he's skedaddling somewhere. He's traveling somewhere, whatever. I forgot about it, right? I think he told me last week, and I just forgot about it. It's not in the text messages or anything like that so so you got no james is that a good thing is it a bad thing i don't know were you looking forward to it right probably gonna be talking about esports right something happened over the weekend people did i don't know something oh something always happens in like niche sports and if you don't play it you have no idea what the hell's going on right just like an mma right if you didn't play mma this this past saturday i mean probably better off for you if you especially if you play well me i didn't mind because you know when the truck goes down i'm a happy guy uh, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, DQs and canceled fights and the chaos, general chaos. We got a solo winner in the in the the 100K. Brian Jester, who actually does uh, some of the, the NFL during NFL season, does the tournament show with uh, with Kirk Bees or whatever, right? He he took it down and because he's good at making those unique lineups and he got, well, he got one in, he got one in, but it was one hell of a MMA card uh, for DFS. A lot, a lot of people yelling late swap, which you shouldn't have in MMA. Uh, we could talk about that, I guess, uh, and whatever you want in the YouTube chat. It's kind of like, uh, you know, without James here, and we don't have us really a slate to review. I didn't play baseball yesterday. Uh, I don't know what we'll talk about. Maybe this today's slate, maybe a little bit. I, I looked at it a little bit more. I was on morning grind. It, 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 tune into the morning grind. I was on with Stevie. It's the first, first morning grind. Now, I was on morning grind with Grant like a week or two ago, but the first song with Stevie for like, like I don't know, since... August maybe or something like that. So go check that out. It's on the, the Roto Grinders morning grind podcast feed and obviously on the site and everything like that. We talk about this uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven game MLB slate for tonight. But of course that I was talking before projections, before ownership or whatever. Now that we got some numbers up here, maybe we could take a look at it, but we got real life pitcher Suki Singh, Doug Montgomery, Andrew Garcia. Good morning. And Andrew's Andrew is now my, uh, my, my music button. Andrew is now my official. He is the the official. He's the official uh, music guru of the 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 DFS pregame show uh, because uh, we had a uh, we had a uh, uh, I, I do these coaching calls right. If you're a Roto Grinders premium member, you should know about it right. So like uh, about a week every week or so, I do private coaching via Zoom. Uh, and, and the time moves around. We'd had this, uh, Sunday at four o'clock, and uh, and typically it's a little bit more lighter attended on Sunday. So we were talking a whole bunch about building MMA lineups, building leverage into lineups. You know, I help you out personally, those types of things. And then uh, turns out uh, uh, apparently me and Andrew share a lot of uh, the, the back in the day, then the music scene type of stuff. And then we just talked for like an hour and a half about uh, about music. So he's the music. He's trying to find me music because I just kind of stopped listening to like new music in like 2005, 2006 or something like that. It's like, ah, it's not important to me anymore. So uh, so it's been like 15 years and it's like, okay, all the bands that I liked back then, what are the bands now that exist that sound kind of like that? Because uh, how the hell would I know? So he he's looking for stuff for me. And so far he sent me stuff this morning. A lot of it wasn't good. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of it, a lot of it wasn't good. Uh, like even inside of a genre, there's like subgenres and subgenres be like, oh, like, well, I like, I like hardcore. I like, I like metalcore. And it's like, well, how about this band? It's like, that band sucks. It's like, but they're metalcore. It's like, no, I like that band. It's like, well, that band's not exactly that. And it's, it's very weird, especially in the subgenres and everything. So, so he'll, he'll be helping me out with that. I got Neil Jaworski in the chat. Hey there, uh, Eric Runick. 
uh, Rick McGill, David, David with the capital D at the end. Uh, okay, that's that's unique, right? Or da or it could be Davi D. It could be Davi D. He's calling me Mr. Leverage. Morning grind was fire. You want to call it fire, right? I'm just looking for leverage spots, right? When Kyle Gibson is going to be chalk, I want to stack against him, right? Jose Barrios, uh, you know, 5,500. Other than that first start, he, he probably probably should be more expensive than that. But according to the bet, Gibson projects way better than Barrios and. I don't know if I love to see it or I hate to see it, right? So I was expecting Barrios to project better than Gibson, uh, point per dollar wise. But uh, but if the bat is uh, like in Gibson, uh, maybe he'll be even more popular. And uh, yeah, sixty eight hundred probably worth playing. Like these are the two spots on on tonight's slate that, like, I'm I'm only playing five lineups tonight. Uh, the payout structures across both FanDuel and DraftKings on these large field GPPs. It just it's it's so stupid. The twenty thousand the first and like two hundred bucks for tenth. It's it's so stupid. And DraftKings is like you know fifty k to first and like five hundred to tenth. Or it, it's it, it's it's untenable. So I'll play the one twenty one single entry, the two fifty four max. I'll I'll do stuff like that. Uh, but I I I've I pretty much I mean I can decide right now that one of my lineups will be a Colorado stack against Gibson. And one of my liners will be a Boston stack against Berrios because my favorite thing to do is stack against chalk SP2s. Now, Scherzer and Burns are also going to be chalky, but of course, they're way better pitchers that, uh, that the likelihood of a stack coming through. Yeah, maybe they get hit up and maybe they're not a pitcher that you need to win a GVP, but is the stack against them going to score enough runs to be the winning stack? Maybe, most probably not. So most likely, I'll, I'll I I have no problem playing lineups that are like like anti-competitive against one another. So I don't I don't see any reason why I can't play like Scherzer and Berrios, and then stack Colorado against Gibson in that lineup, and then play Scherzer and Gibson and then stack Boston in that lineup. So it's like, well, if Berrios gets blown up. I have a lineup that that succeeds. If Gibson gets blown up, I have a lineup that succeeds. And if both of the and if either of those pitchers do well, I still have a lineup that succeeds in the, the opposite case. Maybe I have a lineup that has neither of them, and I stack both teams in that lineup. That's ult, the ultra leverage lineup. But that's kind of what I'm looking for in, in baseball. The, the, the results are are much wider range of outcomes than any other sport. So that's why, you know, on the morning grind, that's primarily what I talk about. It's like, well, if this guy's going to be owned like too high, then I want to do the opposite. If this guy has to be too low, I just want to take that guy and not, not take the batters against him. So that's how kind of how I think about DFS in general. So the projections still guide me, right? I'm probably still not going to play Miles Nicholas, right, at his projection. But am I going to stack the Mets against him? Not at their prices, probably not. Uh, so yeah, so looking at, at tonight's slate, uh, seven games. It starts at 6.10, by the way. So everything gets kind of like pushed back. Like we have crunch time earlier, uh, grinders live earlier. Everything kind of kind of moves and shifts based on the MLB schedule. But uh, but if we take a look at uh, at batters, can I bring up the stacks page? Like let's let's go to let's go to the bat stacks page, right? Let's go let's go all all the pages that I that I would look at for for tonight's slate, right? We don't have the the, the smash percentages up, but I could go to uh, the bat. Right. The bat instead of looking at hitters and going through each of them, I could just look at just the let me take a look at the stack. What are the stacks? Uh how do they rate out? Right. So you go, I'm playing on DK tonight. So this is DK. You sort by like ceiling. 
right? From a point per dollar perspective, oh, it looks like the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks, right? I talked about the Diamondbacks. They're very cheap on, on the morning grind. But the Red Sox, apparently, like, well, what's, the, what's, their, what's their lineup looking like? J, I'm assuming J.D. Martinez is not going to be back. Let's see, who's going to be? Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a much weaker lineup. They have, they have Travis Shaw in, right? So Story, Devers, Bogarts, Verdugo, Kiki Hernandez, Bradley. Yeah, because they have some cheap batters in here, especially the lefties. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to get, you know, if they're not going to get pinch hit at some point in the game. But yeah, if Barrios is going to be chalky, why not, why not play the Red Sox against? Just a, the, positionally, they're not bad. You have to spend up at the infield positions. But then you got some cheap outfielders. And you got two first basemen. So Dahlback for Shaw. So not, 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 as, not as clean as I would like. But like you could play, like let's say we, we did this. So as an, ex, as an experiment, right? So let's say, let's say that I want to I see what those leverage, those leverage stacks kind of look like, right? Now I could obviously go in the app. Or I could start building like by hand. But it's so much easier and quicker to just take a look. Take a look, see, using Lineup HQ as a tool, as a research tool. I'm not building these lineups potentially. Just see what they look like. So I go into build rules. I make sure everything's fine. You know, but one unique, it doesn't matter, right? Right, salary, whatever, right? Just whatever it is. And I just go into stacks and I'm like, okay, what, what, a, what a, if, if I want to build five, three lineups, right? If I want to build five, three lineups, like what would, what would they look like, right? Boston and Toronto, uh, basically Boston against Berrios, right? 50%. And uh, then the Rockies against Gibson. Like if I had five man stacks and then I wanted to fit three other players from another team, I mean, I could do five, five, two, one, I could do five X, but just, I'm just taking a look, right? So what, what are these types of put 20 lineups in? So I want 10, 10 Colorado stacks, 10 Boston stacks, and just to see based on projections, kind of what, what they look like, like what players come up, what positions get filled, just to see. You could run a lot of these and then pick a lineup out if you want, right? Okay. Obviously, the Dodgers are going to be chalky today, right? I expect that. So here, here, here we go with the Boston stack. So Story, Devers, three. I'm not a big fan of the three outfielders from the same team, but I guess you, you could do it, right? Gibson, Scherzer, right? So like, like I said, like you stack against Berrios with, uh, with the Red Sox and you play Gibson in the lineup. So Gibson does well. So I, this isn't bad. Or like even this line, like you play Travis Shaw at first base. Then you play Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Will Smith. Okay, this isn't bad. Right, Kiki Hernandez, Alex Verdugo. You get nice, this is nice. You get Devers and Storian. You don't get Bogarts, right? But I think Trey Turner projects way better than Bogarts today. Here's, here. oh, here's, here's one where you're playing both Corbin Burns and Scherzer. So you're paying up twice a pitcher, right? So you get Bellinger. So basically, yeah. So you're using Bellinger in this lineup. So Verdugo, Bradley, Story, Devers, Shaw, Will Smith, Trey Turner. Like this isn't bad. This is what these lineups would look like, right? So you get Vasquez and you get some of some of these like two v twos types of things, right? And they fit. And projection wise, the Dodgers fits in very well with them. Not the Phillies, even though they're priced very similar. So you say take a look at some of these lineups, the Red Sox, and then let's see. Let's say here's Colorado lineups. And you still you're still able to fit in the Dodgers. So the Dod the Dodgers are probably going to be the, the the chalkiest stack on the slate. But here you go, Burns and Scherzer. So you're avoiding the two cheap pitchers, the two chalkier cheap pitchers. And you play Bellinger, Muncie, Freeman, and then you have uh, Nunez, Rogers, 
Trejo, Hilly, yeah, it's a bottom of the order kind of Colorado stack, right? Only because the Dodgers project well. Do we get anything in the, so we're not just getting the bottom seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, it's, it's still fine. I mean, if, if, if people stack the Rockies, they're probably not stacking the bottom of the order Rockies. So you have Burn Scherzer, Burn Scherzer, Burn. Do we get a Berrios lineup in here? Like, what is a Berrios lineup with the... Okay, here we go. This is a little bit better. Blackman, Joe, McMahon. Okay, so you get better Rockies in your lineup by going down to Berrios at 5,500, right? Which is what I expected. So this is kind of what these lineups would look like with the Dodgers. Should you play a three-man Dodger stack with them? I mean, you can. I mean, I'm assuming the Red Sox and the, the Rockies are going to be low-owned. So I really, I really don't care about how chalky the Dodgers are in these types of lineups. But this is what you'd look, man. This is what this, this is research to me. This is, you know, and I'm not going into spin rates. I'm not looking at batted ball data. I'm not looking at all that. It's like I want to play the game of DFS better than other people, right? The projections already have everything else baseball related covered. So it's like, how do I fit these pieces together in a more contrarian? a uh, higher relative value way than my opponents. So I see here, I get a lot of Freddie Freeman, right? But I could still play a lot of these shares or Burns lineups. I also on the, on the uh, pre, on the, the pregame show, on the morning grind, I talk about the Dodgers. Uh, I've talked about the Diamondbacks being cheap. What do these Diamondback stacks even look like? Because they're so cheap that I don't even, what, what, are the, what is the three man? I'm going to get three Dodgers, three Phillies. I mean, what, what do these even look like if I take three? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make some some Arizona stacks. So I'll I'll just now we're gonna get some of the same lineups for four with the, the Rockies and the Red Sox. But let's tell I'm gonna take a look at like how, how does the salary distribution on these Diamondbacks? Okay, here we go. Okay, so obviously you're able to play Birds and Scherzer in these lineups because the Diamondbacks are really cheap. So you have Varsho, Peralta, Smith, Walker, Kelly, right? Right, Lux, Muncie, Turner, Burns, Scherzer. Okay. Right, you get you have to play Sergio Alcantara in here. I mean, shortstop's a fairly weak position outside of like, like store. You got uh, Bogarts, you got Turner, you got maybe Adamas, I guess. So it's not that big of a deal, All right? And then we got the Colorado. So actually, look, it looks it it seems as if the uh, the Arizona stacks project better. That's what it seems like, right? Because they come up first. Because you got the Red Sox, you know, one ten. These are medians, so it's not the it's not the be all end all. 110, 110 for the Red Sox, 109. Okay, then here, 108. So yeah, this, and you're playing birds and Scherzer together. You're still playing three Dodgers. So it's comparable, right? These lineups are fair, are pretty comparable. You lose and you lose a bunch of ownership, right? I mean, take a look at this. It's 206 total uh, current ownership. What 109.95, and this is like 108.29 at 141. You're playing the Diamondback stack, 140 at 107, 107 at 140, 106 at 172, right? You could, you could do these. They don't, they don't give up as much project. Because look, look, look at these Rockies lineups. Actually, the Diamondback stacks lineups project better than the Rockies. The Rockies give you, give you more relative value. If you understand what relative value is, right? That, Relative value is the, is the core concept of DFS of, you know, you, the points that you get that, uh, that the field doesn't get are worth more to you. And the points that the field uh, doesn't get that, that 
the, the points that are taken away from more of the field benefit you more. So for instance, if you're, if you're playing, I'm using an exaggeration. If you're playing a 90% owned player, if you have, your field is playing a 90% owned player and you're not, and that player puts up a zero or minus five, minus five, five points are coming off of 90% of your opponents because you don't have the player. Right. That's worth more than you, more to you if that player was 10 percent owned. Right. Because if it's a hundred man contest, that means 10 of your opponents just got minus five. OK, which is beneficial to you, but it's more beneficial if 90 percent of your opponents got minus five. Right. So that's that's kind of what relative value is. So in baseball, the only negative correlation. So it, you'd love it for your opponents to get negative points and you get positive points. Now, in two different games, they're not correlated to one another, right? If Gibson does poorly, right, and he's 30% owned, and he gets negative five, let's just say, like, yeah, 30% of your opponents have negative five, that, 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 and you don't have it, right? That's beneficial to you. But, like, you having a Diamondback stack, like, the Diamondback stack could still fail. I mean, like, it's... Kyle Gibson and the Diamondbacks are not related to one another. They're not correlated because they're in different games. It doesn't matter. The only negative correlation in baseball is the pitcher and the batters, right? So if Kyle Gibson has a minus five for 30% of the field, well, how did he get a minus five, right? The Rockies had to have hit him, right? So there's a correlation between Kyle Gibson bad game, right? Which is what you want if you're fading Gibson and a Rockies good game. So you gain more relative value, right? You see here. So like if you didn't have, if you didn't have Gibson, you have your opponents. I don't know. I'm using these hand, these hand kind of examples, right? So this is even, right? This is even. I'm, I'm using, I'm using the hand examples. Who cares? Right? This is even. Now Gibson, Gibson does poorly. All your, 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 the opponents that have him do this, right? But you didn't go, like you didn't go anywhere. So you gained relative value. You gained some relative value because 30% of the field just went down. But as the field goes down, the Rockies start going up. So if you had Rockies in your lineup, as Gibson goes down, your lineups actually start going up further. So if Gibson gives up eight runs, right, the gap between you and those 30% of lineups are actually way wider because Kyle Gibson gave up three home runs and you have the three home runs that he gave up, right? So you gain 14, let's say they're all solo home runs. So that's 14, 28, 42. So you gained 42 points while 30% of the field lost six points, right? So that's like a 48 point difference in relative value, right? So in baseball, this is the, this is the main reason why looking for leverage spots gives you an easier shot at first place. Now, it, not saying you do that every slate. It's just something you look at. The more owned a pitcher is, Right, Max Scherzer is going to be forty-six percent owned. Right, so if you want to play him, if you want to play the stack against him for whatever reason, uh, the Cardinals, that would give you the most amount of relative value. But understand, the more that you stack the team, the more they have to score. What's the probability of the Cardinals putting up ten runs today? Very low. They're going to be low owned, and you'll get a ton of relative value against Max Scherzer. But if Max Scherzer does poorly, it doesn't mean the St. Louis Cardinals stack is the highest stack on the slate. And the likelihood of Scherzer doing that badly is very low. So that's why I'm not a big fan of stacking against elite pitchers, even though 
if it could be 70 percent owned and it's like oh I, you could i mean it just doesn't happen that often right so i'm more likely that's why the sp2 types on DraftKings, right where so everyone wants to pay up for this guy and then needs some 6k pitcher that is not an elite pitcher but projects well has a good matchup bad hitting environment that type of thing that's why people will be on kyle gibson and jose barrios tonight and if i'm going to stack against any chalk pitcher it's going to be against a Berrios or a Gibson and not a Scherzer or a Burns, right? Because if I want to stack, now if you want to play single batters against Scherzer or Burns, that gives you a little bit more relative value against the lineups that have Scherzer and Burns in it. And there's no problem giving up a home run. They can give up three, four runs. They Something could happen that they don't hit a ceiling or anything. And then a batter or two ends up being, you know, fine. But I'm not stacking five guys from that team, right? So I don't, I don't, I don't mind... Right. If we take a look at the starting lineups, like against Corbin Burns, like if you want to play Jock Peterson as a one-off, I think that's perfectly fine. If you want to, I mean, Crawford and Belter are a little expensive for the matchup. But if you wanted to play them at like 1% ownership as a one-off, there's no reason why Brandon Belt can't have a home run today or Crawford or Peterson or any of these guys. Right. The same thing for the Cardinals. Right. If you want to take uh what's the Cardinals projected lineup? You want to take a Dickerson, you want to take one of one of these lefties. Edmund even, I mean, he's a little overpriced, right? But like Tyler O'Neill's 5,100 against Scherzer, that's probably not, that's probably too expensive for that. So if you want to take a shot on one or two of these guys, okay, I get that. But most of, but a higher probability of the time that if you stack against ace pitchers, I mean, if it's a three-game slate, there's a different story. Now there's barely any options. It's a seven-game slate at least. So there are, you could, there, there are going to be other teams that are low on. You play the Rangers against Valdez, play the Blue Jays, against uh Ivaldi, right play play the diamondbacks against bueller play uh the guardians they may be a little under like that you have other options so it's like yes yes then the highest leverage why the highest leverage lineup would be why don't i just stack five three cardinals plus giants right i don't just stack against scherzer i, I stack against burns also five three like yes that would that that would be ultimate leverage but it would be so low win probability that you 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 may get get gray hair by the time you actually get first place by doing that, right? Maybe you, you go broke. It doesn't happen off. It still doesn't happen often enough that you win fifty thousand dollars once in a every seven years or something, and it doesn't come through, right? So there, there's a line there. It's not just like oh, I'm going to take those levers, right? We have the projection lever, the correlation lever, and the and the the leverage lever. You don't just take the leverage lever and say, I don't care about the other I, correlation in baseball. I'm just going to jam it up and go five, three, right? I'm going to take the leverage lever and jam it up and stack against all the chalkiest pitchers possible, no matter how good they are. And this projection level is like, you know, it's flopping down on the floor, right? You see the projection level, you're looking down and going, wow, I didn't realize it was that low, right? At some point, at some point you have to look at the projection lever and go, yeah, yeah, probably playing lineups that are 60 points projected lower than other lineups uh, is, is not is not necessarily plus EV to do. So there's a line there. But in, in, in guys like Gibson and uh, and Berrios, you're not going to get to that line. Look, I mean, even 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 stacking against Bueller, even though he's not going to be popular and people think Bueller is a better pitcher than he is, he's not a bad pitcher. No, I mean, he's a, he's a top-level pitcher, just not elite. Uh that would be better. You, you, you have so many more, like the Diamondbacks aren't going to be very owned. So it's like, why, why stack against Burns? Why stack against Scherzer when you could 
play against the worst pitcher with a with a similarly low owned lineup that projects better that could project 20 points better right there are other lineups available to you we just want to focus on that because we'll be talking about baseball for months on end you'll hear me on the morning grind say it's like oh oh you know oh this is going to be a very popular pitcher and I don't want to stack against him. And then we're going to go to the next game and go, oh, it'd be a very popular pitcher. And I want to stack against them. And people are like, well, what's the difference between that pitcher and that pitcher? So I'll, well, there's a difference between Corbin Burns and Kyle Gibson. There's a, there's a very big difference. Kyle Gibson is a depth train, okay? Well, Kyle Gibson is a high variance pitcher. Uh, yes, this Rockies lineup is not very good. They're outside of cores. It's 48 degrees. It's not great hitting weather. Uh, yes, it's a, great, it's a great matchup. Yeah, and Kyle Gibson could easily go out and get you 30 points easily, right? He's talented enough against a weak lineup to do that. Kyle Gibson also could give up eight runs in two innings. I mean, like he could walk five guys, give up a grand slam, no issue with it whatsoever. So me, I, I when I see guys like that, I'm like, let me take a look at the ownership. And if he gets too much owned, then I'm more likely to stack against him. And if he gets too less owned, then, then, then I'm just going to play him and hope he does well. Uh, Nate Branchrow says, I want the pitchers with Angel Hernandez behind the plate. Yeah, you can take, we have the umpire day. We have the umpire stuff that shows when they get assigned. A lot of times it doesn't come in until five or six o'clock, depending on how the crews rotate. But you, yeah, you could, umpires are factored into projections. Angel Hernandez, you put in that kind of that variance, right? What is his strike zone going to look like today? Right, probably the, wor- the worst umpire in, in Major League Baseball. Oh, let's see. Nate Branshaw asked for NBA. Okay, we're going back to NBA. I got sick of NBA. You did an exercise where we eliminate higher percentage owned lineups based on projection. Do you do something similar in MLB, even with more fragile hitter projections? No. I've, 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 I've said that before on this show. Uh, MLB, in, in order to make up 14 points in projection in NBA, how many events need to happen? Well, you need, okay, a two-point shot, a rebound, an assist. You need multiple things to happen overall over the course of your lineup so 14 points is is a lot in nba right not not gargantuan but it's a lot you 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 if you're 14 points behind other people it's gonna it's not gonna take one oh a half court shot gets your 14 points that, that doesn't exist baseball it exists one swing in the back a solo home run on DraftKings is worth 14 points okay so if you take a look at your lineup it's like oh my lineup projects 14 points lower well that could be made up in one swing Okay, 28 points lower. That can be made up in two swings, right? And your lineups, you're typically, you should be playing correlated to each other. So one person getting 14 points is actually not necessarily 14. There may be a guy on base, right? This guy walks, this guy this guy gets a hit, right? So that's three plus two, right? And then that, the next guy hits a home run. Okay, so three plus two plus the two runs, right? Three plus two plus two plus two, right? So that's 11. Right, the home run that's worth 18 now because the RBIs, right? So that's like 20, what 29 points? Wow, you made wow, you made that. There you go, right? You made you made that up, no problem. So like the 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 median projection doesn't doesn't really matter as much to me, right? Do I do I want to see them relatively to one another? So like like the thing that I looked at right here is like what do these Diamondbacks lineups look like in comparison to these Red Sox lineups? And it's like oh, the median projection isn't isn't that isn't that different, right? And the Rockies reject for significantly lower. Signif- I mean, significantly meaning like five points. 
which is still fine. But now I was under the impression that the Rockies lineups may end up being higher projected than the Diamondbacks lineups, and I was wrong. So it's like, okay, the Diamondbacks looked a little, a little bit more better, better in my eyes, right? But I'm probably not playing lineups that, you know, this, this, even this lineup with the Red Sox projects for like 110. I'm probably not playing lineups that project for 65 or something. It's going to be very hard. You're playing bottom of the order hitters, pitchers that are way overpriced, right? Your ownership is going to be really low, right? But do you have to, do you have to sacrifice that much, right? Yes, yes. So now, now you're four swings of the bat behind like that that's a, maybe a little too much for MLB right you probably probably shouldn't be playing a lineup that are that low owned or that low projected but you could go down significantly more than than an NBA only because it's an event driven sport and it's correlated oh let's see do, 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 do. going through Devin's talking in the chat Uh, Jacob Calloway says minor negative correlation are two pitchers in the same game because they both can't get a win. Yes, that's another negative. Right. You're, you're right. I said before, the only negative correlation is the pitchers and the batters. Yes, there is a small negative correlation between two starting pitchers in the same game. A lot of time for large field GPPs, I mean, depending on the price of the pitchers, I mean, I, I wouldn't play both of them in the lineup. Right. It the, the difference in ceiling overall is like, a little over a point, but hell, I'll take it. Being especially on a on a like it's a twelve game MLB slip. It's like why do I have to play two pitchers for the same game, right? Unless one of the pitchers is like six thousand and projects for seven million points. I mean, then then that's fine, right? But if you have two aces, if you know if Scherzer and Burns were facing each other tonight, like at their prices, like why am I playing both together? Unless I'm just jamming jamming them in and get get cheap stuff or whatever but there's typically enough games where where yeah the 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 correlation difference is about a point overall median which in baseball is not is not that much right but for large field gapps i'll take i'll take as much as i could get it's only one only one of them could get the four point win bonus and half the time neither pitcher gets a win anyway so it doesn't even matter uh let's see Kickstart says, good morning, Blender. Interesting MMA slate we had this past week. And yeah, I made, I made money, right? I didn't make as much money as I could have. If Lamos would have won the won the, the last fight, I, I would have made 21000 But she didn't, so I made seven fifty. Which, based on the, the, the craziness of that slate, I guess I'll, 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 that's a win. That's a win in my book. You know, I didn't lose money. I was expecting to, right? I was like, okay, if, they, if Andrade wins and Draj wins, like, okay, I'm, I don't know, how much am I losing, right? It's more of a, that, am I losing 500? Am I losing 1,000? What, what, what's the damage? And then when that, the scores came in, I'm like, oh, I'm actually up 750. That's okay. Okay, that ain't bad. That ain't that bad. Even though I had, I, 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 I had very little of the three most owned dogs. I had like half the field on Romanoff, whose fight got canceled. And uh, yeah, but uh didn't they only had Mike Jackson three out of 150 lineups, so that ain't gonna work, right? Mr. Mike 10693 said the highest owned fighter by far and a minus $1,500 favorite as fight canceled left this late already locked, right? Uh, they're fighting next week though, they're fighting this coming week, right? Let's sell it. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that people get scared to play him because they think Sherman's gonna cancel again, right? I, I, I. 
I, I think his ownership may end up going down, right? He'll probably be 9,600 again, right? And, and this, this card coming up, I almost, I wish, I don't know if this is, a, if Romanoff being on the slate is a good thing or a bad thing, but I like this coming MMA card because the biggest favorite before Romanoff was on the card was only like minus 250, right? Not minus 400, minus 600, minus 800, those types. We've had a lot of, a lot of the past slates have been like that. I think the biggest favorite is only like minus 250, which is, which is what, 60, you know, 70% win chance and not 90% or anything. So a lot of times in those slates, like people feel compelled to spend all their salary to really get fighters that don't have that dramatic, the $9,200 fighter and the $8,500 fighter are much narrower than, than, than the odds would based on the odds, Right. So people are like, well, I have the money. I'm just going to pay 9,200 for the guy. And he gets like 88 points. And it's like, you don't, you don't need him, right? A lot more dogs are more likely to win on those types of slates. So it's easier to get unique. It's easier to find unique combos because people, you know, bad players feel compelled to spend all their salary. Now on certain slates, like this past slate, sometimes it's better to spend most of your salary, right? And some people spend, you know, I'll leave 1,500 on the table in all my lineups. It's like, that's pro- that may not be a good idea for this type of slate with many humongous favorites. Uh, but this coming slate with, so I don't know if Romanoff being on it is good because I think what, what may end up happening is that because the like, whoever's going to be like 9,000, 9,100, 9,200, like is going to look significantly worse than Romanoff based on like inside the distance and win probability. So if they make Romanoff 9,600, they'll be, most people will be like, well, screw the 9,200, 9,100, and $9,000 guys. I'm just paying up for Romanoff and then going down into the AK range. So that actually may end up being the reverse of what I wanted to have. And it'd still be, and there'd still be an edge there. So to, to recap, if Romanoff was not on the card, then the 90, the 9,000, the 9K to 9,200 fighters would be over-owned, right? Because people are like, well, they're the biggest favorites. So I guess I play them. Right, even though they're they're not any really that as much better as the eighty six hundred dollar guy, right? But now if Romanoff's on, now people will be, think the opposite and go, well, why the hell am I playing the ninety two hundred, ninety one hundred, nine thousand when I could just play this Romanoff guy and then go down? So that means the nine k to ninety two hundred fighters may be underowned on this coming slate, and that means I play a ton of them, right? Right? That that that's the beauty of playing DFS as a game, where it, to me it predicting the outcomes isn't where you make your money it's t- exploiting uh the confidence and the problem then the uh the overestimation of the probability of the, the general public right oh we got to play this guy right you got to play that overwhelming montana de la rosa was 31 percent on this past slate. She, she she was the most overowned. she had a plus uh 625 inside the distance but she was cheap and the only way that you could get two 9k fighters you had to play someone like $7,300 and down. And no one was, and barely anyone was playing Macy Barber, her opponent at like 9,000 uh, based on her ceiling. So people just defaulted to playing Montana De La Rosa. And Montana De La Rosa lost, didn't do very well. And I barely had her. And 30% of the field just went poof by that because that's what they were doing. Now on that card, if you would have told me not many people are playing 9K, 7K type of lineups, then I would be playing those types of lineups. And maybe I would have 30% of her, right? She's 11% owned and I have 30% of her, right? But if she's 30% owned, I have 7% of her, right? But I'm not going in going, who do, who do I think is going to win the fight? I don't care. I have, the, I have the probabilities. I have the betting lines. I have projections. 
That's all, that's all taken care of. Now, based on that, should that fighter be X percent owned? Should this pitcher be that percent owned? Should this stack be that percent owned? Right? The Dodgers are going to be chalk. Oh, you got to fade the chalk. Well, what happens if they're under owned? Right? What happens if they're the most owned stack and they're under owned based on the probability? We see that in basketball all the time. Right? Some cheap value guy with a 15x projection, 83% owners. And you go, ah, I got to fade the 83% on God. That, that's what leverage is, right? That's what Blender talks about, leverage, right? Oh, I got to fade the 83% on, no, but the 83% on guy is under, right? You're, you're actually gaining leverage by playing. It's like, how am I gaining leverage by playing 83% on guy? Yeah, because he should be 96% on. That's the definition of leverage, not fading chalk. It's fading under own guy, fading over own guys and playing over, uh, under own guys, right? So if if, uh, if Max Scherzer is 46%, maybe he should be 54%. Maybe he should be 30%, right? If he should be 30, then 46% ownership is he's over-owned. He'll be better off if he played someone else, right? Depending on the lineup that you're playing, obviously. We're just talking about in a vacuum. But if Scherzer, you think, should be 60% owned and he's 46, now you're gaining leverage. He may be the most owned pitcher, but he's not owned enough. So you can't think in terms of chalk and not and, and not chalk, right? We talk about that in the in the course, right? Theory of DFS, theoryofdfs.com. I think it's even in, I think I even have it in like the, the table of contents, right? Where where is this? Where where is it? Somewhere. So with good right here, chapter five, leverage, myth of good chalk and bad chalk. Right. So many people talk about that. Oh, is this guy good chalk or is he bad chalk? Really, what they're saying is this this guy over-owned or under. That's, te- that's really the meaning of those terms, but it's not based on what we think the outcome is going to be. Said so based on the probabilities, is this guy over-owned? And if he's over-owned, that, that's bad chalk. If he's under-owned, that's good chalk, right? If you were to do that, but you can't think in terms of like, oh, he's, he's owned even though he shouldn't, you know, people are just, it's, it's, it's group think he doesn't project well, like that doesn't happen anymore. Maybe back in 2014, 2012, where barely anyone had projections. It's like, well, based on narrative or some, some you know, dubious methodology of, of, of who, who do you think the probabilities are that someone just gets talked up around the industry and just becomes, you know, 22% owned in basketball for no apparent reason. That if you had projections, there would be no way the guy would be 4% owned, right? And it's just for no reason whatsoever. Like that really doesn't happen anymore. So to me, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as if a, if a guy is going to be owned decent amount, there has to be a reason behind it. Maybe he ends up being over-owned. Maybe he ends up being under-owned. But it's not going to be like, oh, 2%, a guy that should be 2% ends up being 30%. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. And vice versa. A guy that should be 30% ends up being 2%. Like the field is much better. The tools and the projections are much better, much more accessible these days that you, you're never going to get into those types of situations. So you can't think in terms of good chalk and bad chalk. Better to think, you, maybe you use the terms, but you think properly. But you should think of over-owned and under-owned. So it's a, a guy could be chalk and be under-owned. That would be good chalk, if you want to call it that. But it just, good and bad are not the right connotations when it comes to, uh, to talking about DFS. But you could find the theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player. Theoryofdfs.com, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. All the stuff I talk about in the pregame show, it's all in there. If you want a nice little structured little, little package, 
like a seminar of that rather than spend 500 hours watching all, all these shows from the past. Let's see, anything else in the YouTube chat before we get out of here, right? No James today, so, and no slate to talk about yesterday, so it'll be a shorter show. Shorter show today, what's wrong with that? Kickstart says, I wish there was more than one UFC slate a week. I agree. I wish they did Bellator or PFL. I wish, I mean, probably the prize pools would be low for that. Like, doesn't Bellator or PFL do Friday nights sometimes, right? Right. Or when they do the contender, uh, contender series is only four fights. So can't really have a DFS card for that. But yes, yes. One thing I don't, the main thing about UFC that I don't like is it's only once a week. Right. It's now, it's now become pretty much my best sport. Right. Two, if, if I were, you'd have told me two years ago, that's like, oh, you'd be playing, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be playing a lot of, you're going to, MMA is going to be your highest volume sport or almost your NFL is my highest volume sport, but almost my highest volume sport. I thought you were nuts. You're not what really, really? Are you nuts? And then COVID happened. I mean, it really. I only got into MMA because you know Dana White wasn't going to cancel stuff. They were going to do stuff on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, and there was no other sports on. So I'm like, okay, let's try MMA. And then once you see MMA is more similar to like NFL Showdown or very small field golf events, and it's like, oh, okay, this is what what much do you need to know? And then like the the stats, you know, who cares? It's, everything is a small sample size when it comes to fight data. Right, six fights. What, what what kind of data do you have on six fights that could predict anything? So you just you just go by the, the efficient market hypothesis and just use the betting lines. Go what correlates most with with high scores based on the betting lines, and you 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 run that, and you see that it's it's primarily like inside the distance probability. That's the most correlative. So then you gear your lineups based on that, based on the ownership, and you're done. There you go and try to get unique in a large field, or at least under five dupes or something. And, and you're good. So it's, it's, it's MMA DFS is more of a game than it is like you're, you're watching the fights or whatever, but the sweat is good. I like MMA sweat is, is a, is a good, it's a long sweat, but it's a good sweat because it's all sequential. You know exactly what you're rooting for and anything could happen. Right. You, 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 the first fight comes on, the guy gets knocked out in three seconds and then like, Oh, I don't have that guy. Well, you're dead. Right. 126 points. And you're screwed, right? And the seventy two hundred dollar guy has that, and you're done, right? If you do not have this guy, you can't you cannot win first place, right? That could happen. Like it, you could have a three second sweat in MMA, or it could go on. You know, especially if you're playing a lot of lineups, right? It's like okay, I got five lineups. Who else is in that line? Okay, now I need to root for that guy, and then you know, high variant stuff. You know, you take advantage of people's confidence, and it's a nice sweat. It's a nice sweat, right? Six hours. Sometimes it's, I like when the big cards. So like the prelims and everything are paced well, where just, they just, they're just rolling out the fights. The broadcast comes on and they're already in the ring. Like when the broadcast comes on, because there's 15 fights. So they're really, I like that. But when, when fights get canceled, whatever, you get, all, you get 10 fights, nine fights sometimes. And it's like, geez, a lot of fluff, a lot of commercials, a lot of, you know, like commentary at the desk and everything. And then you just sit in there going, please put on the, and then the next fight, the lasts a minute, 12. And it's like, okay, great. We got a 38-minute break until the next fight, right? When there's a lot of decisions, at least it rolls a little bit more. Uh, Jason Stansel says, next thing you know, Blender will be an F1 thought leader. F1, well, F1 is very similar, probably a similar style to like the NFL showdown, like like the not many, not as many unique lineups possible, that type of thing. But I never, but NASCAR is probably similar to that. And I never, never got into NASCAR, but I mean, look, 
two years ago, if you told me I'm, 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 I'd be talking a lot about MMA, I think you were nuts. So maybe two years from now, I'll be talking about NASCAR and F1. I'd be like, you know, you know what my best sport is? Auto racing. Like, it's the same thing with NBA. If you, if, to, when I started in, in October 2015, if you'd have told me that, like, oh, you'd, you'd have, you'd make most of your raw money in, in, your, in your lifetime playing NBA DFS, I think you were nuts. I'm like, well, I don't even like basketball. I don't want to watch basketball. Why am I ever going to play NBA DFS? I'll play my soccer stuff. I'll play my MLB stuff because I got into MLB. But NBA, oh, I don't want to do that, right? And then I got a free roll ticket and won $7,500. It's like, okay, maybe I like NBA DFS, right? And then started playing that. Then 150K, 100K, okay. Okay, I, I, guess, I, could put up, I guess I could put up with basketball now, right? Same, same exact thing. So who, who knows? Next year, I'll be talking about F1 all the time. I'll be talking, I'll be, I'll be, pro, I'll be talking about F8. I'll be talking about whatever, whatever keys. Uh, F, to me, F1 is just a key, is on my keyboard. That, that's, that's all it is. It's not, there's no, there's no racing involved. It's just how to, how to close programs or whatever. What, what does the F1 key do? It does something. Do I want to press it now? I don't know. I'm afraid the entire stream will blow up if I press the F1 key. But uh, you know what you could press? The thummy thumb button. Press the thummy thumbs. Give me some thummy thumbs. It helps us out here on the channel. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got uh, live locks, two o'clock on the scores and odds channel. Uh, we got early grinders live. Should be an hour, an hour earlier. I believe four, it's gonna be four o'clock, something like that. And you'll see it on the thumbnail. It's gonna be something like, MLB always moves stuff around. We move the shows around. But yeah, we got grinders live later today with, with Dean and the guys. We got, I think Dean, Stevie and TJ are on. Then crunch time is free all season long. So right after, right on the same exact stream, you don't have to go anywhere. You get premium crunch time with uh, Kevin Roth and uh, and uh, Cardi's going to be, is he going to be, whatever. You get the weather update. You get, uh, you know, all the things leading up to lock. So uh, so tune back into there. We all got all, obviously, the premium stuff. We got uh, Cheese's Million Dollar Musings. We got Lineup HQ. We got all the projections. We got Slate IQ is back. So you still got, you got that, our simulation tool is back. This the stack leverage tool, the every, we got everything, right? Everything, plate IQ, anything you want to look up, anything you want for MLB. So subscribe, but, and become a Roto-Grinders Premium member. Join me in the group coaching calls, right? Because you get that also. So click on the link in the description, get $10 off your uh, your first month. And uh, and join, join me in there. Say hello in the Blenders Game Theory channel. But, uh, but well, James will be back next week. Yeah, James will be back next week and say hi to them then. And uh, the seven-game slate. So I'm gonna, so my plan of attack right now is uh, right now is to have one lineup that stacks against Berrios, one lineup that stacks against Gibson, and uh, one line, and then a, a Diamondbacks lineup. As of right now, that's uh, based on the starting lineups and everything. So let's see if that let's see if it works out. We'll review it tomorrow. And I'll answer your DFS strategy questions as I always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.